the start of this year and even uh, some things. And so hopefully uh, this will stir up something in you. I know that it stirred something even in me as I've just been praying about it. And so, you know, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. And really this passage of Scripture is who I aspire for us to be as a church because it's who Jesus was. The Bible says about Jesus that, um, you know, the, and so we'll look at this here. But uh, I, I believe that it's also the call of who we should be as God's church, but also as individuals, not just as churches, but even as individuals. And here in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, now this is Jesus speaking, and He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, there's some things here that we that I really want to establish because I've read this verse many times, and we've looked at it many times, but, you know, and, and if we're not careful, we can look at Jesus... And just think, well, he was Jesus. Of course he could do these certain things. And yet even Jesus himself, even though he was perfect in in all of his life and, you know, never had hang-ups like we do, he still said here that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. It wasn't because of what Jesus had done or not done that made him capable to do what he did. It was the fact that the Spirit of God was upon him. And it says that he has anointed me. So he not only was the Spirit of the Lord upon him, but there was an anointing that came as well with the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. Now this is important, and you'll see why here in a few minutes. But he says that he's been un- so that J- the Spirit of God had come upon Jesus, that he had been anointed to bring good news. It says that he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, 1 John 4, verse 17 says this. John, you don't have this verse, I don't think. It's okay. I'm just going to quote it. But it says, as Christ is, now we are in this world. So exactly what this verse is speaking about Christ actually now falls to us as believers. So that we could actually say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, it's one thing to say the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. It's another thing to say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That it becomes personal now. And that just as it says here, that He has anointed Christ, but He has also anointed you. How many of you realize that you have an anointing? Every one of you, as believers, as as followers of Christ, not only are you saved, but you also received an anointing. Now, many people don't realize this, and they, don't, and they definitely don't operate in it, and they don't walk in it. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your goodness or your badness. It has to do with who is upon you, which is who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has now, so if it's based on somebody, it's not based on us, it's based upon Him. So the Holy Spirit has come upon us, and we have been anointed. You carry an anointing. It's not based off of you. It's not based on anything. It's about the anointing on the inside of us. Now, Acts 1.8 says this. I told you we're going to roll through some scripture fairly. I'm trying to keep this compact as I can, but still communicate what I, what I need to to you tonight. Jesus' instructions to the disciples as he was getting ready to leave, to uh, go back to heaven. He tells his disciples, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the word power there is where we get our word uh, dynamite. It's actually the word dunamis in the Greek. But it's really 
the same uh, principle at work, which is this, is that you could have just as easily have said that you will receive the anointing when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? Because when the anointing comes, it comes to produce the will and the purpose of God in our lives. Now, it goes on here, and because there's, you know, I always, I mean, I, I say I always say this, but God always shows up for a purpose. The anointing always shows up for a reason. And it says that we would receive anointing or power when the Holy Spirit will come upon us, and we will be, or and you will be my witnesses. The reason the anointing comes is so that we can go out and now affect other people. Yes, the anointing is also for our own lives. Yes, it's for what the things that we face. But it's so that we can actually go and make a difference for the kingdom of God moving forward in our lives. And so, you know, the other thing, and this is one of the things that you've, it's just a core principle that you've got to know. That when the anointing comes, when the Holy Spirit came upon you, not only did it come upon you, not only did it bring power, but it also equipped you. It's not based off of do's and don'ts. It's not based off of, and let me say it this way. You're equipped to do exactly what God has called you to do. I mean, I don't preach out of my own ability because I've tried and it's not good. I don't do well even in public speaking. Like if people ask me to say something in front of a group of people, people hear me preach and they're like, man, you just make it look so easy. And I'm like, that's the anointing. (laughs) Because me by myself, not so great. But there's a difference when I tap into that anointing or that ability that's on the inside of me. Now that's inside of my calling. But yet, you know, we all as believers have an anointing as well. Every one of us have an anointing. And it's not just there just because. See, here's the other side of this is that just as the anointing equips you, the anointing also qualifies you. Now, in the Old Testament, we see this with with Saul when he was um, anointed as the king because he gave all these excuses to Samuel, who was the prophet. And he says, look, who am I to be the king of Israel? And Samuel says, hey, let's just go up the mountain and let's just see what the Lord has to say. Right? So they go up. The Lord, and he begins to prophesy over Saul, who would ultimately become the king. Well, the Bible says that he anointed him with oil in that place. And when he came down, that he even said, hey, there's going to be some prophets of Israel. You're going to encounter them, and these things are going to happen. And even after that, the people who knew Saul, after that experience, said, who is this man? It had changed him to the point where even people recognized him, which is, you know, and you can even say this even in the life of Jesus, when he went back to Nazareth, they're like, hey, who? we know him. He's the carpenter. But what they didn't know was that he had encountered the anointing that had now changed him. And the same thing happened with Saul. Well, the same thing can happen with us as well. And so, you know, the anointing, here's another benefit about the anointing. When you really uh, have confidence in that anointing, you actually will attract those things that you need. You're like, well, I can't do what God's called me to do. The anointing will attract what you need. So it equips you, it enables you, it qualifies you to do the very things that God wants for you to do. Which is exactly even what he talked about there in Luke 4. That hey, you can lay hands upon the sick, that you can see people set free. That you can actually make a difference. And and so, you know, here's another thought for you. And we're going to read several verses here in just a moment. But, uh, you know, many times people have an idea of the anointing. And as a, you know, even the fact of thinking that, hey, man, I have the anointing of God on the inside of me. That each is as individuals, you know, the greatest anointing will never be on a particular ministry, a particular church, 
a particular person. It's on the body of Christ. And it's when the body of Christ functions under the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we'll see the fullness of what God has for us. That's where, you know, because it's one thing to call and to even say, hey, you know, pastor, could you be praying? And I have no problem with that. But me praying for you and you not praying and you not doing your part doesn't really help. It's a cooperation, you know, and even to the point where you can actually do things that in a sense you don't need me. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. And I would encourage you to hey, let us know what's going on. We want to pray with you. We want to be believing with you. But to say that I'm just absolutely necessary isn't necessarily true. Why? Because I'm not the Savior. Jesus is. We all serve the same Jesus. Now, I have a function and a role in that, yes. But the believer's anointing, just the fact that we are saved, the Holy Spirit has now come upon us. We have, just as it says there in 1 John 4, 17, as Christ is, so we are right now. The same Spirit that was upon Christ is upon us. And it's for a purpose and it's for a reason. And so I want to share just a few verses with you. Some of these will be familiar. and uh, But I want to get to a, a place tonight with this. But uh, over in Isaiah chapter 10, I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. Um, because this is the more familiar one. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. This is a fairly familiar passage of Scripture, but it says that it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, many of us have heard this is that, hey, you know, is that what the, the work of the enemy will be destroyed simply by the anointing of God. But that's actually not accurately translated there. It actually should be worded like this. And, it, and you'll understand maybe why they didn't. But it should actually, when you study it out, it says the yoke will be destroyed because of their fatness. And really what it speaks to is, I mean, think of a yoke that was put on oxen. It's a big piece of wood, right, with the hole cut in it. Clamp it down, it's on their neck. It actually says that as they grow healthy and strong, their neck would actually grow beyond the limitations of the bondage that's been on their life. And it will snap because of pressure. That's actually how that, what, that's actually the, the picture of what that verse is saying. Well, how do we grow? Because it's not that, it's not that the translation is necessarily wrong, but the implication and how it comes about, because we have an idea like the anointing comes and just breaks bondages off our life, and we're just set free. And yet, accurately translated, it's as we administer the anointing to our life, as we grow, as we begin to become all that God wants us to be, that that's where that delivering power actually lies. It's not just that God comes on and just, bam, like waves his holy magical wand and poof, we're free. Now, as we grow in who we're called to be and in our understanding of who God wants us to be, that anointing will produce power in our life. That that even that our that that even the anointing that if you want to say it this way on the inside of us as we allow it to work on the inside of us that it will continue to set us free. Now we know this verse. Or, well, let me read you this out of the Amplified Bible because it actually um, properly translates. It. it says, "In that day, uh, or 
it shall be in that day that the burden shall be or shall depart from your shoulders and his uh, yoke from your neck. The yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. That kind of gives you another angle. Is it even those things that have maybe um, held you back or held you down in the past? If we'll grow and cooperate with the presence of God, when the enemy comes back around, that old shackle just won't fit. Now that brings a whole other meaning to it. The devil, those things that used to get me, you can't even, they don't even fit me anymore. I've now grown and matured beyond the point of that temptation. I've grown and matured beyond that point of limitation. So that when you come back, I'm, I'm going to be, I will mature beyond that point. So that when God sets me free, I can actually stay free. That's why the Bible talks about don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You got free. But it can come back and you can be shackled once again. And so we see this here. And so this is the cooperation of the presence of God. I mean, we have to cooperate with this. Another familiar passage of Scripture comes in James chapter 5 about this. Let me go back to the New Living. It's a familiar verse of Scripture, but... It says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of Jesus or name of the Lord. It says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make them well. It says, and if any of you have committed sins, they are, you will be forgiven. Now we practice this. It's scriptural. The Bible says that we can lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. And here it says that, hey, if, you're, if anybody's sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on them, anointing them with oil. Why? Because, and, it, and it's not about the oil. The oil is simply a point of contact. If you really get technical according to what it says, it says that uh, you can ask for them to pray, anointing you with oil, and such a prayer offered in faith. It's not so much about the oil. Now the oil is a connection point. Our faith is not in that oil. It's not about, you know, is this cooking oil or is this some kind of fancy oil from somewhere else? You know, extra virgin olive oil from Jerusalem. I've actually heard people kind of be like, oh, it's not about that. It's about an act of obedience to the word of God. It's just a step of faith. You know, but what happens is. Is that it's not, and it's not about the oil, but it is about the anointing that it comes when we obey. That's the difference. You're like, well, I don't understand it. Do you have to understand it or do you just want it to work? I mean, some things, I don't care how they work. I'm just glad they do. Like, I don't understand the internet, but I'm glad it works most days when it works, right? I don't understand how it works. I just know there's a massive information and so I don't know. Where is it all? I don't know. But I don't have to know how it works to use it for my benefit. And so even in that, you know, and so we see this here. Is that, and the Bible talks many times about anointing people with oil. And we're going to look at some of these here in a few minutes, but uh, it's not really the focus of what I want to share with you tonight. But, you know, the thing that it says here is that we are to pray. Pray for what? For healing. Well, how does healing come when the anointing comes? The word Messiah and the word Christ actually mean when you define them out, it's the anointed one and his anointing. Jesus was defined by that presence in his life. 
Well, we are His followers now. Over in Psalms 23, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but um, I'm just going to read verses 5 and 6. But the psalmist writes in verse 5 and he says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And he says, You honor me by anointing my head with oil. And my cup runs over with blessing. Now why does the cup run over with blessing? Because the anointing came. It didn't say the anointing came and then my cup overflowed. Or the, the cup overflowed and that brought about. No, it says the, that he anointed his head with oil and his cup overflows. He said, verse 6, Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, where is the anointing in that sense? Yes, it's in the church, but it's in us. It doesn't matter if we are in the park, the anointing's present. Why? Because we are the carriers of that anointing. Not just this building, not just a select few people. No, every believer, every person who belongs to Christ, who has surrendered their heart to the work of the Holy Spirit, has the anointing of God on the inside of them. And this is important for us to know this and to grab hold of this. Over in uh, Revelations chapter 1, the second part of verse 5 says this. It says, All glory to Him, being Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding His blood for us. Now, rightfully so, we have been forgiven of our sin. But here the Bible actually says that we've been freed from that old sin as well. Which is a whole lot better than just forgiveness. Not only am I now forgiven, but I'm actually free from the consequences and even the damage that it would want to do in my life. Why? Because sin has a consequence, right? The wages of sin are death. I've been freed from death. You've been freed from death. It goes on here in verse, um, in verse 6. And it says, He has made us a kingdom of priests for, um, a kingdom of priests for God his Father. In other translations, it says that he has made us kings and priests unto God. It says, in all glory and power be to him forever and ever. Now, that doesn't necessarily in our day and our understanding make a lot of sense. Okay, I've been made a king and a priest. Well, that doesn't, I mean, I don't know about you. That doesn't really just make bells go off and be like, woo. <laughs> like, I'm just kind of like, okay, I don't know what that means. Well, here's, in the Old Testament... The only people who could anoint and decree were kings and priests. So the only people who could anoint with oil in the Old Testament, which was very significant in the Old Testament. And the only people who could decree something, in other words, make a law. You know, uh, our president here a while back said that with a, uh, uh, what was it, a pen and a phone. Well, back then it was with a word and a ring because that ring had a signet. And if he stamped it, it was law. He didn't need anybody else. He didn't have to go through Congress. He didn't, no. Well, the Bible says that we've now been made kings and priests unto God. And, and what does that mean? We now have an ability to anoint things. We, we not only have an anointing, we have an ability to anoint. If you, if you kind of want to succinctly say that is we've been anointed to anoint. Not just for healing. Not just for Random certain things. But and ultimately what are we doing? It's a point of contact. 
It's a point of contact where we can use our authority as believers and say, according to the word of God, I as a king and priest to the Lord, I'm actually going to place a demand upon the anointing of Jesus right now. And I'm going to use some oil as a symbolic gesture that that's what I'm doing. And it will change circumstances and situations. See, we have an anointing. How many of you believe you have an anointing? You want to say that with me? That I have an anointing? That was pretty weak. Let's say it again. I have an anointing. You are anointed. You're anointed to anoint as well. Now this is really where I want to get to tonight. That's why I've kind of been trying to rush through some of this. Laying some groundwork. But this is the part that I want to talk to you about for a few minutes. Because this is significant in your life. Because you're not just anointed to anoint random things. There's specific things. Number one, you can anoint people. You can anoint places. You can anoint things. Why? Because think about this in the Old Testament. Going back to the children of Israel. They were in Egypt. And the Lord gave them wisdom and said, look, you need to make some sacrifices. Take the blood of that spotless lamb. And what are you going to do? You're going to put it on the doorpost. Right? What were they doing? They were anointing the the door of their house. Now, what did that do? It actually repelled a spirit. And it saved them. Now, that's significant. If you can anoint some wood, what else can you anoint? That would be for your blessing, for your benefit, for the purposes and plans of God. Now, there's wisdom, obviously, in this, but the principle is still true. Now, I want to give you a couple examples. These are true stories that I know firsthand. These aren't somebody else's story that, you know, came off of Google. We had a lady in our church in Kansas, and they raised bulls. They were, it was called Bonzel's Bucking Bulls. No joke. It's a dead serious. So they had this bull named Mudflap, and he had some number. I don't remember. It was like Mudflap 916513. I don't know what he was, right? I, I don't know. I don't remember his name was Mudflap. Well, Mudflap is a young cow was very sick. And I think it was during this time of the year, if I don't, I may be getting details not quite right, but I think it was during the winter time. Well, the wife's name was Mariel. Now, she was an interesting lady, and, uh, but she was one of those people that just believed the word of God. And, uh, you know, she had taken some, because the, the cow had gotten really sick. And uh, she was partial to this cow. And was she believed that the Lord told her that this was going to be a championship bull. Now, I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But championship bulls are worth a lot of money. A lot of money. Not so much for the bull, but for their offspring. Well, she felt like when this calf was born that the Lord had spoke to her and said, Hey, this is a significant bull. Now, for us, it's just kind of, that's a cow. But for them, this is livelihood. You know, and they had done this and that. And, well, this cow had gotten sick. Well, she called the church and told pastor, I need you to start praying for my bull mud flap. <laughs> Pastors get some strange phone calls. I'm just telling you sometimes. She took a radio out there and took cassette tapes that had healing scriptures. You know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Put it in his stall and played it all night long. She took oil and went out there and anointed that cow. Yeah. Now he was sick. Like, I mean, she, this lady knows bulls. Her husband knows. And they thought, this cow's going to die. 
This calf is going to die. Like it, it's, it's not looking good. She sat out there and prayed in the Holy Ghost over that thing for hours. I don't remember exactly how long, but I know I don't know. I, don't, I want to say she sat out there all night and prayed with that thing. I don't remember exactly, uh, but I know she had prayed over it and all this. Well, end of the story is he went to the PBR Nationals in Las Vegas. He was one of, I mean, he was on ESPN. Like I mean, as a bull, which I'm kind of like, this is crazy. But he fulfilled his destiny. Even though the Lord had given a word, she took the word of God seriously and said, Hey, if I can anoint, if I can see where they anointed a doorpost, I can anoint a cow. And I mean, then, you know, and that saved that cow. And he fulfilled what God had spoke to her. They're probably still making money off that cow. This is a long time ago now. I mean, this is years and years and years ago. You know, I can remember it. I've shared this before, but. I remember uh, my family moved when I was about five or six years old. I think I was six. And uh, we had moved from Bossier to Shreveport. And, um, you know, that's just, I don't know, my parents wanted to move, so we moved. And uh, But when we moved into this new house, my parents began to fight like crazy, just abnormally. Like, my parents fought, but this was even at another level. And uh, it just seemed like chaos. Even me and my sisters, which we were, you know, anywhere from six to about ten uh, at the time. And it just, something was not right. And, uh, you know, and, and at the time, I didn't really know much about it. And I didn't, I mean, I knew my parents were fighting, but, you know, I was kind of like, well, that's normal. <laughs> you know, for me, I didn't recognize I was a little kid. And, um, but I remember very vividly at one point, and we'd lived there for a little while. I don't know exactly how long. I have to ask my parents about it. Um, but I remember they got us all together as a family. And I remember we got some cooking oil, just vegetable oil. And we went out there as a family and we prayed. And we said, you know, that this is a house of peace, that we are believers and, and, and we don't know what's going on because it wasn't natural. It was something supernatural was going on. And I remember that we got together as a family. We stood in the carport and I remember thinking, this is fun. Like, let's just, you know, as a little kid, you know, let's sprinkle some oil everywhere. And I remember that my, my parents put it on the doorpost. And what, you know, and the thing was, is that it was spiritual. And we had no idea what was going on, but it broke that spiritual attack of the enemy. Now we come to find out later that the three previous families who had lived in that house had all filed for divorce and sold the house. That was the reason that they left the house. So there was, a, there was a spiritual dynamic at work even in our house. Now, my, my parents lived there for, I don't know, almost 25 years. You know, and that spirit had never been able to come back in and set up shop there again. Now, it wasn't about Crisco on the doorpost or vegetable or whatever it was. It was about that we had enacted our faith to believe God and we put, uh, you know, we re- were really putting stock in the anointing on the inside of us. We didn't call the pastor. Nothing wrong with that. But he didn't live there. We did. And there's something to be said is that for your house, for your life, for your body, you can take that authority. Not that, Look, if you called me, I'd come. You're like, this is weird. I don't know what I'm doing. I would come and help. Gladly. That's not what I'm saying at all. But many times I believe people shortchange themselves not realizing that you possess an anointing. The anointing of God is on the inside of you. And so, (coughs) you know, so we see this where, you know, even throughout Scripture. And I gave you some several stories here. Somebody anointed a bull. We anointed a house. 
You can anoint people. We look at see that in James 5. Anoint those who are sick and they will be made well. Here's an, another verse in Psalms 89. It says this. Uh, it says, I have found my servant David and I have anointed him with holy oil. Says I will now. This is what I want you to hear: is these following couple verses here. I'm going to read down to verse 24. So we, the Lord says, "Hey, I found my servant David, and I have anointed him with my holy oil." And I love this. In verse 21, it says, "I will steady him." Amen. David gets anointed, and God says, "Hey, I'm going to steady him with my hand, with my powerful arm. I will make him strong." David wasn't strong in and of himself, but the Lord says, with my powerful arm, I will make him strong. Says his enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. Says my faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him. And by my authority, he will grow in power. Now go back to Isaiah where we looked earlier. The yoke will be destroyed. Why? Because of growth. Right? I mean, that was kind of the my paraphrased, shortened, condensed version of that verse. The bondages will be broke because growth will happen. And here God says that with my authority, I will make him grow in power. You know, when we submit our hearts to the anointing, that that's exactly what will happen for us as well. It's not about uh, our ability or our authority or what we can do. But what it is about is the authority that we've been given is the authority of Christ. When we speak, it's like He speaks. When we anoint, it's like He anoints. It doesn't have to be a big show, but it is about having faith in the act of what we're doing. It's about walking in agreement and obedience to the Word of God. You know, I've kind of said this, but it's not the oil itself is not the important thing. The important thing is faith in our hearts. The oil is just a contact point for your faith. And our faith is to be in Jesus. Not in anybody else. We're not looking to another human being. We're not looking to a a person. No, we're looking to Jesus. The Bible says He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. He's the, the captain of our salvation. It calls Him there as well. He's the one that we're to focus on. And yet, whenever we have circumstances in our body, when we have circumstances in our families, we have a remedy. It is the anointing of God. And it may, you know, in in the natural, it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to make sense if it works. That's what I'm after. I'm after the result. And if that means that, you know, there's things going on in our family, then we may need to get together and pray as a family. We may need to anoint ourselves. We may need to anoint each other. You're like, well, that seems weird. How do you anoint yourself? I'll show you here in a minute. You can actually do that. But you're anointed to anoint people, places, and things. If you know somebody that the enemy has been just continually bombarding them with thoughts, you can anoint them with oil, and I believe that those bondages will be broken. You know somebody who's sick, you can anoint them with oil, and I believe that healing can come. I believe that, you know, I would take it as far as you can anoint uh, even things like your checkbook. I know that's a little weird. You're like, well, I don't know about that. Well, fine. Don't do it. If it works, you wouldn't be complaining, though. (laughs) Now, there's obviously natural wisdom involved in that. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know there's been seasons in my life where it just seems like financially the hits just keep on coming. Hey, this got to stop. 
I mean, I've shared this, but beginning of last year, me and Derek, whatever it was, March, for two, three weeks there, it just seemed like every day it was something else, multiple things. Hits just keep on coming. Things just keep on coming. And a lot of it was finances. And finally, we got to a point where we said, hey, enough's enough. This has to stop. Because it wasn't just for us. I mean, it was us and our life and the church. And it just seemed like things were, you know, you ever been on the bottom of a dog pile? That's how I felt. Like, everybody get off of me. I'm dying down here. I can't even breathe. That's kind of how I felt. Well, at some point, you got to say, well, what's going to work? Well, the anointing of God will work, and you have an anointing. You have an anointing to anoint. And it's the anointing that will not only cause you to grow, but I do believe that the anointing will destroy the work of the enemy. The Spirit of Christ. He said, look, I have come to do away with the work of the enemy. Now that verse in Isaiah there where it talks about that the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. In principle, it's right. Now, technically, they didn't translate that right, but the principle is still true. Is that, man, if if you're afflicted by the enemy over and over and over again, it could just be as simple as just a step of obedience. If you're having issues in your marriage, get some anointing oil out. Come into agreement. And pray. Why? Because something is released. You've got a, 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 you know, something's going on with your kid. They can't sleep. Let them go to sleep and go in there and anoint them. The Bible says that, that the Lord would give us sweet sleep. Yeah, it's in the book of Psalms. Your kid won't sleep. You can give them some Tylenol too, but. <laughs> or some other things, but. But how many of you know the anointing is better? I mean, you go in there and you start praying over them. Father, I just thank you that as they sleep tonight that they get rested. I mean, hey, that's one thing I prayed for with Max. That boy going to sleep. He going to sleep good. We ain't going to be getting up all the time. Now, of course, there's moments where he's not feeling well. Yeah. But for the most part, hey, that was one thing we said before he was ever born. I'd talk to him in the womb, you know. Hey, in there. This is your dad. This is the way this is going to work. <laughs> you will not keep me awake. You will sleep well. I mean, today, I don't know why, but today he just didn't want to wake up. He was unhappy to have to wake up this morning or this afternoon. But that's something that we prayed for. That's something we asked the Lord for. We said, hey, man, he's going to sleep and sleep well. I just wish he'd go to sleep earlier. But I guess we, we didn't pray for when he would go to sleep. We probably should add that one. But once he gets there, he's, he's good. You know? Well, no, I mean, but there are things like this that, hey, we can anoint. We have an anointing. And we've been uh, commissioned to anoint as well. And it can make a huge difference in our life. One last verse. And this ties in with our current season as a church as well. And you've heard me read this verse, and I've read it a bunch and never really paid attention to it until here just recently. Matthew chapter 6, and I've read this verse, so I'm not going to read all of it, but these are the instructions about fasting. But in verse 17, he says this. In this translation, it doesn't uh, do a great job of communicating it, but it still um, means to the... It says, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. And actually, another translation says this, when you fast, anoint yourself, anoint your head. That's actually what it says, anoint your head. 
You know, that you might be in a, in a place right now where you're believing God for something, or you just sense that, man, that the devil's just getting the upper hand in my life. And I'm tired. I'm tired of him constantly having the upper hand. You have the anointing and the authority to break his work in your life. Amen. You do. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking people to agree with you and pray with you. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's encouraged. The prayer of agreement is very valid, very applicable to our life. But you are anointed and commissioned to anoint yourself. Even during this time, you may be battling and just seems like there just keeps coming, keeps coming. Do exa- just obey scripture. When you fast, anoint your head. You've got thoughts that are contrary to the word of God and you keep, you know, quoting scripture. I have the mind of Christ and it just seems like those thoughts are not getting broken. Anoint your head with oil. Set some time aside. Believing God, trusting God. And I believe that out of obedience to God's word, that he'll do exactly what his word said for you. See, we have that ability. It's not something that we're trying to make up or form. We're just walking in light of scripture. Sometimes I think we make scripture too complicated. If it says it, do it. I don't need a PhD. I don't need all these other things. I don't need, you know, a bunch of little letters behind my name to say that the Bible says this, this, and this in five different languages. The Bible says this in English. I know English. That's what I need to know. And here it says that, hey, we can anoint people, places, things. Even ourselves. And that even as we would do that, that the anointing of God would be present. That God would show up and work on our behalf. Why? Because it's an act of faith. There's no power in the oil. But there is power in Jesus. And it says that we've been given that power for ourselves, but also for other people. That we can administer the life of God, the goodness of God for others.